I want to tell you about our Mark Miller title sponsorship. DJ and PK in the morning is proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. So check them out. Mark Miller Subaru. Subarus are fine cars. Bought one myself. All right, Riley Jensen sitting in. David James Nickeldorf III is off. He didn't get Sportscast of the Year, and he just <laughs> needs to recover from that. So he needs some time off to rethink. It's the first year in 19 years that he didn't Rethink get his strategy and what he needs to do to be more popular and build up his image even more. Uh, so he is uh, meeting with consultants this week, and he'll be back next week, and he'll be shinier than ever. And we look forward to the good news that he spreads. You guys know about the good, You guys know about the good news. <laughs> Talking a couple of good newsers myself. <laughs> Whereas I deliver bad news, you guys delivered good news. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you speak of dodge the lightning. By the lightning, come on. He's got to love me by now. I've given him so many chances. Does that mean he hasn't? <laughs> I love it that you think that the good Lord loves you by attrition. I used to wear people out. At this point, he's got to accept me. So, I've, I've messed up plenty of times. He hasn't killed me yet. We're, we're going through a legal issue at home, right? And uh, got to give a deposition and all that stuff. And so we're uh, I'm talking to my wife, and, and I'm just getting all fired up yesterday. I said, Gosh, she looks at me. Do you have to be so aggressive about it? I said, well, after 30 years, you're surprised that I'm aggressive? (laughs) (laughs) This is is who I am. People are trying to take money out of my pocket. What do you expect me to be? And block out four hours for a deposition. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm fired up. Yeah, you coming after me? I only know one way. So she was surprised at the aggression. <laughs> I guess. Which, like, <laughs> which, which means you've kind of hoodwinked her. I'm surprised like she you're had... surprised. <laughs> now she realized, okay, well, I probably should have seen that coming. It's like my wife thought I was outdoorsy when we got married. <laughs> She's like, I'm like, what, what made you think we were out, that I was outdoorsy? She goes, I don't know. I thought, I thought, you know, we got engaged on the top of Mount Olympus. I thought you were outdoorsy. I was like, that was one time. That was one time. That was one time. You, get to, you need to take her out. Go some, uh, some uh, snowshoeing. Uh, yeah, and, that and, sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> That sounds like a blast. Camping in the summer. I just can't wait till my kids are old enough to do it with Jeez. her. So I don't have to. Come on, man. Fulfill your duties. <laughs> Holy freak. You are you know. criticizing me and my duties as a husband? Wow. Well, I'm offended. Good. That's my, what we do in this society. Uh, we get offended. My mission is accomplished. I'm not today. afraid to be offended. Good. And I. I would agree with you. I'm not my, I, I, my outdoors is golf and then sitting on the beach. Yeah, that's that's the kind of outdoor. <laughs> like, let's go, let's go to the Florida Keys, honey. I'll sh- I'll, I'll show you that I love the you outdoors. Go to Bermuda, the Bahama? outdoors. <laughs> Come on, Florida pretty mama. Keys. Oh no! Here we go. Here we go. There's a place that Riley would like. 
We're okay with that. And then he doesn't even have I would to even ride listen, a I would bike. listen to that song once a day if, <laughs> if I was there right now. I don't even care. I went there once. It was awesome. In Kokomo? Uh, no. Or Bermuda? Uh, Jamaica? I've been to the Bahamas. I've been to the Caribbean a few times uh, for work, too, when I worked with the Watchdog. Basketball tournaments there. There you and go. And then uh, the, the Florida Keys we went. One time on our own. Man, it must be nice. I know, I know you make fun of DJ, but man, what? What? Jeez, they're paying, they're paying you good money. They are. <laughs> you live close to the mountain, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those big things over there. So. Yeah, you live close to the mountain. We kind of all do. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. Um, I wanted to get to you talk about Utah being uh, developing a little quarterback reputation. Well, why wouldn't BYU be developing the same thing? Well, I think they are. I, I, I think that was just the first thing that came to my head. I mean, look, you got Zach Wilson. I think Jaron Hall is an NFL quarterback. I think they think it. I think the only thing that is going to like keep him back is maybe the injury bug. I mean, that's the only thing. I, I, and I don't think it'll keep him out of the NFL. I think it will keep him from being a, a fairly high draft pick. So I listen. There are really good things going on in the state. When you talk about the offense coordinator, Anthony Tucker up at Utah State, when you're talking about Andy Ludwig, when you're talking about Aaron Roderick, I mean, these guys are doing good things. And I think if I were if I were to say the thing that I really like about Aaron Roderick down at, the, at BYU is that quarterbacks are getting better under his tutelage. Like, they're not – Jaron Hall and Zach Wilson were the best – Probably the best athlete on the field every time they played in high school football. And there were times when I watched Jaron Hall play in high school where I was like, I don't know if you can get away with that in college because he was the best athlete. He would run around. He would turn the game into a backyard football game, and he would make amazing plays with his arm and his feet. And it was like, wow, this guy this guy is really, really unbelievable. And so to me – my my criticism of him coming out of high school is like, okay, but is he going to be able to put his foot in the ground on a third and six and throw the ball on time and keep the chains moving? And he has. And I think that's the biggest growth that I've seen between him is he, he is able to stay in the pocket and make that big-time throw when he needs to. And then he lets the game come to him and he makes big-time runs when he's supposed to as well. So look... These coordinators are developing quarterbacks, and the thing that I like about the University of Utah and BYU, and especially Aaron Roderick, and I don't, I I have been very very complimentary of Aaron Roderick because I don't think he gets enough credit with the whole John Beck thing, right? Like everybody's always talking about, oh yeah, well Jackson Dart goes to John Beck, Jaron Hall goes, everybody goes to John Beck, and I I'm not taking away from John Beck at all. I actually think he's a really really good quarterback coach. In fact, I refer kids to him here from the state of Utah from what I'm working with kids because I think that he's really connected and he does a really good job. But there's a difference between what I can do as a personal quarterback coach and what an offensive coordinator can do, and that is put him in situations in practice where he is seeing live bullets and he is seeing defenses and how they move and how they and how they rotate and all those sorts of things that you can't do as a personal quarterback coach. I can't bring 11 people to play defense against my little personal quarterback gotcha. coaching deal. Gotcha. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so so yes, John Beck did a great job of developing, but so did Aaron Roderick and I think the growth is taking place in those practices by preparing these quarterbacks to be NFL quarterbacks in these practices. 
Tyler Huntley's doing a great job because he understands defenses. Zach Wilson had a great season, especially after his injury, and I think he's going to be a great NFL quarterback because he understands NFL. He understands defense. You can't do that in an individual quarterback session. So I'm right, not trying right. to take away from John Beck, but I am going to give compliments to Aaron Roderick and Andy Ludwig and and Anthony Tucker up at Utah State. I think these guys are getting better. I, I think Logan Bonner at Utah State got better during the season. He was much better at the end of the season than he was at the first of the season. Who's the best offensive mind in the state? Whew. You named three. Are there any others? Shoot, I, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of good coaches here. There's, there's a lot of good coaches. I think I think Paul Peterson is a really good offensive mind down at Dixie State. I Look, just because you're on the Division One level or not on the Division One level doesn't, doesn't mean that you're – I mean, I got I mean, I'd throw Ed Larson from Lehigh High School I was about, and, I was about and, to say and Ed Eric Kerr. Yeah. I think Ed Larson and Eric Kerr, I think you can throw them in there. Okay. These guys know offense. That's Lehigh and Corner Canyon High School? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I, I don't care what level they're at. I don't either. It doesn't. I'm not necessarily impressed. Coaching is coaching in the way I look at it. Exactly. And so, I, listen, on the high school level and the college level in the state of Utah right now, it's never been better to play an offensive position. Because you're going to understand defenses, you're going to play at a high level, you're going to put up stats, you're going to do all the things that you have ever dreamt of doing. And there's a lot of really good coaches around the state of Utah. I don't just mean to highlight Eric Kerr and and Ed Larson. They're the first ones that come to mind. Sure, there's yeah. a lot of good offensive coaches. There's a lot of good coaches in the state of Utah. You bring up the high school coaches right. And, and, and I have utmost respect for guys who coach high school and are really good at it. And for whatever reason, they're not at the higher level. But that doesn't take away from their talent. I'm wondering if they're almost like too good. Because, like, you take somebody like Care, you know, Jordan and, and Corner Canyon, right? So he had these quarterbacks that just put up incredible numbers. And it was almost like they were too good. And it, was, it came too easy at the high school level because then a lot of them who were all state and then all the stats and all that stuff and acclaim. They never really made it at the college level. I mean, Zach Wilson was the first quarterback, and he'd had like five All-State quarterbacks to start a Division One game. You see where I'm going? Yeah. And it's like, well, I actually, it's almost like their coaching was too good. I and actually, the defense couldn't respond to the coaching, so the quarterbacks weren't that good. But those guys were so superior that they made the quarterbacks look way better than they were. Yeah, you buy dude, that theory? Dude, <laughs> you could make that exact argument for Ed Larson. When he was coaching in the JC levels at Snow College and Utah State, he had eight, eight All-American quarterbacks that went on to play Division I football, none of which have gone to the NFL. Yeah. They so were unbelievable. Like, I mean, Mark Dunn at Ricks College, he—, he he was unreal. Like he won the 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 version of the Heisman Trophy at Ricks College, signed at Kansas State, went and played there, and just kind of never went. I mean, right. you can make an argument that Riley Jensen did really really well at Snow College, had an okay career. You know what I mean? And Ed Ed's always complaining to me. He's like, "What are you? What are you guys gonna break through? <laughs> like, what do I gotta do to get one of you guys to break through? Like, you know?" But I I think you could make that argument that like I I can tell you right now that my preparation at Snow College was ten times better than it was at Utah State. 
10 times better. I knew exactly what was coming. I was prepared in practice. I knew exactly what the moving parts were, and I knew exactly what we were going to defend. And I was prepared mentally for each one of those games. And so, as a result, I played much better football. Almost too good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I I was almost a better quarterback at snow than I really was. Yeah, that's where I'm going. Yeah, like, I, I think you're right. Now, Zach Wilson's... Overcoming that for Eric, Kier. obviously, I you know th- this kid that's going to Ohio State is really good. Jackson Dart is really good. These guys are going to play in the NFL, right? But it's uh, it's that's an interesting argument. I mean, look, you look at uh, and, and Eric Care did it at Jordan and Corner Cannon. So, like to me, if he'd only been the coach at Corner Cannon, I think it'd be easy to criticize him. Like, oh, you have all the best players, like uh-huh. people transfer in, blah blah blah. But dude, he had Alex Hart at Jordan. He had. I mean, he had like three or four quarterbacks that were thrown for like four thousand yards and forty yeah. touchdowns, right? Yeah. yeah. And then, and then, you know, for all the hype that Skyridge gets, and for all the hype that like these teams down in in Provo get with Timview and and all these teams, right? Like Ed Larson's won two state championships in the last five years with. I mean, I kind of joke with him. I'm like, hey, how come you don't have 11 D1 players like Orem and Timpview and, and Sky Ridge and everything else? He's like, oh, I don't know. You know I'm like, because you're an unbelievable coach. Uh-huh, right. He doesn't want to admit it. Right, right. I got you. But, dude, like he doesn't – you go into the Timpview game, everybody thinks Timpview is going to win against Lehigh. And then they beat him. And then they win a state championship, right? Uh-huh. You go into these games, and they these other teams have 10, 11 Division I players. You go to Lehigh. I mean, there was one guy that stood out last year to me on Lehigh's team, and that was Terrell. And he was their defensive line. He got MVP of the state. And he was like a man among boys. But you watch Lehigh play, and you're like, dude, where's all the D1 guys that you would think would be on a state championship team? And there isn't. There's right. just a bunch of really, really good players. With phenomenal really coaching. Really good high school players with good, good coaching. Yeah. And they got Jason Anderson down there that played in the NFL. He's their offense line coach they've got they've got all kinds of good coaches down there but but you got to give credit to Ed for putting together a good staff too and you got to put together you know coach care what he's done I'm not sure there's been a run in high school football ever that he's put now I know there's a lot of skyline alumni that are driving off the road whatever our <laughs> skyline team dude I'm telling you right now your skyline teams could not compete with these corner camp really? teams they couldn't they couldn't. At the highest level, 49 games in a row, 48 games in a row. Am I somewhere in the ballpark? Yuck. Yeah. I thought it was in the was it 50? Four, it was 48 yeah. straight. They tied the state they record. They tied with Duchesne. lost. And then yeah. lost. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that and Duchesne doesn't count to me as a record. <laughs> Duchesne's sorry. a 1A power. Give Come him on, some dude, respect. I don't, I don't count them. I'm sorry. Coach Cowan out there is going to be sorry, calling I don't in, count. I'm sure I know somebody's driving off the road right now in their Ford. <laughs> Ford pickup. Hey, leave their Duramax alone, okay? I'm just saying. Got the window down so I don't mean to offend. I don't mean to offend the Duchesne Eagles. So I'm, I'm glad you got their nickname right. I, I think know. I'm right. I think uh, I'm right on that one. I don't even know where it is, let alone uh, what. It's level. on the way to Vernal. I know that. It's, it's just this way. Get on US 40, drive east. You'll show up eventually. Right, right. Okay. No, but so these guys, these guys are really good coaches. Is the, is the whole point? I can't argue. And I think I think it is a really fun time to watch high school and college football in the state of Utah because before all of this that we just talked about today, it's been all about the defense. 
you got Kyle Whittingham, you got Gary Anderson, you got all these coaches that have like really, really built up the defense, and we've been known as a defensive state. Well, now the offense is coming around. Now, what do you say about the state of Utah? You can't say, "Oh, well, there's just a whole bunch of really good defensive coaches," or "Oh, there's a whole bunch." No, there's a whole bunch of really good football. It's a great time to play football in the state of Utah. That's why Lane Kiffin was in the state yesterday to visit the Dart family. I'd be visiting. I mean, yeah. I can't. I, I, I don't know that I get invited to the Dart's house. <laughs> Just as a person. Yeah, I want to go. I want to go visit. <laughs> All right, Darts, call me up. We'll I'll call. Visit. I'll call the Darts. See if I can go visit him this week. <laughs> Do you think that he would have seriously more considered BYU if they had an? Uh, I use it in quotes. An opening. Yes. Like if Jaron Hall had, you know, finished his career and was. And and was done. I think I think there would be more likely of a shot for BYU to get him. He's got to play. I mean, there's. I think there's like two schools that it'd be okay for him not to play. That'd be like Alabama and Georgia. And they're both in the national championship. That's about the only two. Georgia. I, can think of. I don't know about that. If he didn't play there. Because I don't know that Bennett's an NFL quarterback. It's one thing to sit behind an NFL quarterback and then get your turn. Because I think now Alabama, if you go there, it's like basically if you play, if you start a quarterback at Alabama for one season, you're going. Yeah, you're looked at as an NFL dude now. That's what's what they didn't have ten years ago or fifteen. Well, years yeah, ago. and I think Mac now Jones. I, I mean, you look at Mac Jones. He was the third, right, of Tua Tagovailoa. And Jalen Hurts, yeah. right? Right. You see that picture all the time. You're like, who's who's the Joker over on the left? Right. So you wait. And out now your he's time. not a Joker. No, 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 no. He's an NFL <laughs> starting quarterback. Right. And so you wait your time. I think that that looks favorably. It's like the old thing. If if you're a three star and SC offers you, all of a sudden you're a four star. Yeah, I, the the star thing is interesting to me. I think you guys have said to me before that Norm Chow told you that, like, hey, I need you to make this guy. Or he said that he could recruit a guy, and all of a sudden he'd be a four star. Right, right. So depending, but on I know. Who's listen, I know the offers. I know when Tennessee was recruiting Zach Wilson, they were just hoping that he would be made a four star because he couldn't justify it to the boosters. He couldn't right. justify it to his head coach. Right. They would offer him in a heartbeat, but he was a three star. They liked him better than any quarterback on the board anywhere, but they couldn't justify it. <laughs> Seems so stupid, doesn't, doesn't it? it? <laughs> doesn't it seem stupid? But this is what happens. This is what. Listen, this this has happened for years, though. It's not like this is just beginning, where it's like, oh, I can't justify it. Like that's what I want to get into next is this whole idea of these quarterbacks and their ratings and whatnot, and relate it to the NFL because I find it fascinating. And there's four teams left. Right, and so you've got in the NFL that are still playing. They'll play on Sunday, right, for the right to go to the Super Bowl. And you look at the four quarterbacks, and some roll off all the impressive stats and uh, high school stuff and stars. And then there's two of them, not so much, but yet here they are, uh, you know, still standing. Or at least if you go back to last week, and you brought up Josh Allen, and obviously he wasn't uh, all that. His story. Is well documented, and yet he, you made a statement that I want you to share as far as what you thought of him in defeat. And stay with us. We'll get to that next. Coming up right here on DJ and PK 97.5, 1280 The Zone. 
Guys, guys, pay attention to what I'm about to tell you. Valentine's Day, just a couple of weeks away, right? Jimmy's Flowers can make it easy with ready-made or custom-designed arrangements. You can order today at jimmysflowers.com or visit their stores in Bountiful, Layton, or Ogden. That's Jimmy's Flowers. Quarterbacks have always intrigued me as far as the star rating because we see so many of them that, you know, they're four or five star, and we see that statistically in college, the chances of these Elite 11 guys transferring is over 50%. It is extremely high, and in some cases, they transfer multiple times. And you look at the NFL level, so we've got four teams left, right? And we've got, uh, who do we got? We got KC and Cincinnati. All right, you got Joe Burrow. So he transferred from Ohio State to LSU, and then it just blew up. Couldn't have been better. Literally. Undefeated, Heisman Trophy, number one pick. He's in his second year, and he looks like he's got the world by the tail. He looks like he's going to be a superstar, right? Then you go to KC, and you got Mahomes, Texas Tech, and it's Big 12, but we wouldn't consider them high-level Big 12, right? But uh, he played for Kingsbury, didn't he? And uh, he looks like he's a Hall of Famer, right? Then you go over to the NFC, and you got Stafford, who he went to Georgia, right? Uh, is that where he went? Stafford. Didn't he go to Georgia? Yeah. Uh, and he was he was something that, uh, you know, you was predicted stardom, but they stunk in Detroit, and he never really got there. Uh, and now with the Rams he has. And then you got Jimmy G. I think it's Eastern Illinois. That is way off. Him and Tony Romo. Yeah. Probably Eastern Illinois. Eastern Illinois. So Eastern Illinois is producing Tony Romo and Jimmy G. Uh, over the uh, weekend, I went and saw American, uh, what's American Underdog? American Underdog. Yeah, the Kurt Warner story. Uh, and we know about him, Northern Illinois. And no, he's Northern it? Iowa. Did I say Illinois? Yeah, yeah, Northern Iowa, the Panthers. I don't know why I had Illinois on my mind because right. of... Uh, Eastern Illinois. Yeah. Uh, Northern Iowa and the Panthers. And then was he was like four or five years out of college before he, f- he made the Rams. They made Vermeil seem like uh, he was the one who discovered uh, Warner. And then he goes on to a Hall of Fame career. Wow. They're saying he's the best... Undrafted player in the history of football. A little side Dick Vermeil story. When I was working in California, I was doing a story on on a college player who played for Vermeil at UCLA, and um, I had I was I talked to the guy and, and I wanted to get in touch with him. He was I forget the guy he was he he couldn't play. They wouldn't let him be healthy. They wouldn't let him play at uh, for Vermeil in college because of health reasons. And he went someplace else and he played in the NFL. And of course, I can't remember. So, and Vermeil was coaching Philadelphia at, at the time. So I got his number from somebody. I, I got him, I think I taught somebody who was coaching at Kansas City, and I got his number. And I called him at home, and it was in the off season, it was like February, March. And I call him up, hey, coach. And I work for Daily Breeze in, in Torrance, California. How'd you get my number? Why are you calling me? <laughs> just, <laughs> just reaming me. <laughs> uh, 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 do you want me to hang up? <laughs> no. <laughs> he was so aggressive toward me. 
<laughs> yeah, I just want a couple of quotes about a you, player, right? You know what's interesting about him? He would be the guy in my life that before I met him, he was the guy that just had this great reputation, this tender heart, the guy that would cry yeah, over his players. Yeah, he was always crying, like, blah, yeah. Blah, blah, all this stuff. And he's probably the most firm and like dress you down type of guy I've ever like ever been around. Yeah. I saw him speak up at the University of Utah, like the Utah Coaches Association. Dude, the dude's hardcore. Yeah. Like he's a hardcore football guy. When he quit, he was legitimately burned out because he was busy dressing people down his whole career. Like I mean, I'm telling you, yeah, he, he, that guy did not mess around. He ringed me out for calling him, and uh, that doesn't surprise me. Then, then he settled down, uh, and uh, <laughs> I love your answer. You want me to hang up? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just pissed. Yeah, he was. And I, I, some, uh, I think he was. An, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was an assistant coach with the Chiefs. And he knew him, and he was the one who gave me his number. Uh, so, and you play, you know, you just keep calling people to get what you want. And I always found in reporting, uh, the more I put time into it, the more I got what I was looking for. And so, anyway, but uh, Vermeil, if you if you go watch the movie, it seems like he was the one credited with uh, getting uh, Kurt Warner on the field. And how do you explain? How do you explain guys who? Don't have any stars, and go to big sky schools, so to speak. Uh, not you know, not necessarily literally big sky, right. but that that type of level. Whereas other dudes just got all the credentials in the world, and they just end up being massive. But Matt Leinard, so, Matt Leinard was like a hero, and dude, he was he was nothing. Like, he was like Broadway Joe in L.A. When precisely he was in, in, in college, he really right? was. It's an excellent example or a comparison. Yeah. And yet, and, and he flamed out. Josh Rosen, I thought Josh Rosen was going to be a player in the NFL. He was the Rosen one. Yeah, <laughs> right, dude. I remember being on your show and talking. Like when I met him in person, like his hand wrapped around my Rod, hand Rosen? like three times, and I was like, "I'm telling you, this guy's a big time guy." It was he? He had graduated early, and he'd got and I'd gone to spring ball with Ed Larson and Alemateo and a couple guys. We were just like checking things out, right? Uh-huh. I shook his hand. I mean, he was. He was all of six five. His hands wrap around my hand like three times. I'm like, dude, I I'm a believer, right? And then he just flamed out. Yeah, I, I do that have a theory us, on this. Man. I have a theory on this. Good. I have a really really good theory on okay, this. Okay, I'm listening. I think when you're giving too much too early, it puts out your flame. Really. So there are a couple exceptions to this rule, and I think today you you mentioned one. I think Stafford might be an exception to the rule. But for the most part, you start looking through NFL quarterbacks that have lasted a long time. Most of the time, they didn't get to go to their first choice. So Philip Rivers grew up in Alabama in-between Auburn and Alabama. You think he wanted to play at NC State? You think that was his first choice? No. Okay. Drew Brees grows up in Texas. You You think Purdue was his first choice? No. Okay, with the exception of the Manning brothers and maybe Stafford, I could make a case that every single quarterback that's worth his salt isn't exact, didn't play exactly where he wanted. Or you have a story like Tom Brady at Michigan, but he wasn't really highly recruited. Oh, no. He got into Michigan and then he was a sixth round pick. So there's a whole bunch of things that were not given oh, yeah, to him. That, sure, they even played the the Henson kid. His dad used to be the offensive coordinator yeah. at Utah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He played the Henson kid over him right. a couple of times right. at, at Michigan, right? That's a fact. So all of these quarterbacks have these stories that like keep the fire like lit. They, they keep and you, you can go okay, so Eastern I Air, put Elway in that too. 
Okay, so LA, so there are a few exceptions, yeah. but I would say for the most part, when you're looking at NFL quarterbacks that were worth their salt, that are worth their salt, you can draw a story that's comparable to others. I mean, let's look at Jimmy Garoppolo, Eastern Illinois. I guarantee you, Eastern Illinois was not his first choice. I <laughs> he got to be the next Tony Romo, Josh Allen, Wyoming. I think okay, so maybe that was his first choice. Right? It was his only choice. Dude, my dad. It was his only choice. When my dad. When my dad was the tennis coach at Utah State, he used to joke that when coaches were recruit to Wyoming, there was a one-way train ticket. <laughs> <laughs> they don't let they don't pay for the train home. Like yeah. right? Good old Laramie. You know, Laramie's just not the place that I think Josh Allen thought, yeah, dude, I'll go to Laramie. I'll create myself a nice career and go to the NFL. <laughs> you know? Like, I don't think that was his dream. You know? You can even make you can even make an argument with Joe Burrow that his first choice was Ohio State well, and was. they rejected him. I mean, he and he went to there. LSU and he made lemon he made oh, lemon. Although maybe that because uh they had uh perceived NFL quarterbacks at Ohio State. Maybe it's a Right, but what have those quarterbacks done that are ahead of him? I guarantee you well, that nothing. flamed him. I guarantee nothing. you that, I mean, that put uh, a flame Haskins. on him. Haskins was the guy, wasn't he? And so he's and, maybe he'll win the starting job at Pittsburgh. Way, I don't know. Even in a way, I could make an argument with Stafford on this. I mean, played in Detroit, and people have been hacking on him forever. Like, right. Even during the season, when they have like a loss, they're like, "Yep, yeah, see, he's not mentally tough enough. He doesn't have what it takes." Well, all he did was beat Tom Brady on the road. All he did is win two playoff games. Now, I mean, the dude can play, and I think he's hungry. Yeah. And when you have quarterbacks that are hungry, they play better football. Period. End of story. You get too many accolades early as a quarterback. If you don't have some sort of story like this, it's hard to keep the flame alive because you're like, yeah, dude, I'm freaking Matt Liner. I'm the I'm the stuff weekends are made of. Why aren't you bowing down to me? Well, because <laughs> the NFL, which stands for not, not for long, right? <laughs> if you bring that kind of an attitude into it. You know what I mean? But you literally, like, you, I mean, tw- tweet it at me if you want. Give me some more examples of guys that, like, actually got exactly what they wanted besides, like, Manning, Elway. There's not very many. You can make an argument for almost every single kid. I mean, the, the, these guys are playing at schools that you would not expect. I mean, the, the, the New York Giants, he, he started at Duke. Do you think Duke was his first choice? Speaking of Jones. Uh, yeah, yeah, Jones. Yeah, Sorry. to play basketball. Yeah, kids play basketball. Good point. Good point, right? Like, I'm sure that Duke was his first choice to play football. Like, he was like, yeah, if I could just go to Duke, like, I could be the starter for the New York Giants. These guys guys play big-time football, and they make it to big-time football because they're still hungry, and they still have something to prove. And Tom Brady is the greatest person I've ever seen on manufacturing anger. Like, I remember when they drafted Mallet out of Arkansas, he was ticked. Yeah. Oh, you think I'm done with my career? Like, oh, I'll show. Dude, Mallet has been in and out of the league for longer than Tom Brady is. Yeah. You know? Yeah, same thing with Aaron Rodgers. And here was a Aaron kid. Aaron Rodgers played a Butte Junior College. Right. Junior College. Yeah. I mean, I have nothing against junior college, but it's not exactly the route that I thought I was going to take. Right, and he's uh, going to be a Hall of Famer. And as the story goes, Tedford was the coach at Cal. He goes up there to watch somebody else. He didn't even go there with the intent to, i got to watch Aaron Rodgers. And then he brings him on, and then it takes, I think his first time getting in the, doing anything was when they played the Utes when Urban was coaching on a, like a Thursday or Friday night. Uh, and the Utes beat him. When, uh, yeah, they they put him in. 
in, in that situation. And you can go Alex Smith, too, with the one scholarship offer. Right. I mean, I'm just telling you, you can go, but I actually think you can do this on almost any position, too. There's a, there's a lot of guys that, that, are, that are like Hall of Fame type guys that, that didn't play at major universities, no or question. at least not at their first choice. So you got to have them knocked down first. You do, dude. There's something to be said for the the old Chinese proverb, right? You get knocked down seven times, get up eight, you're a success. Hmm. I mean, there's something to be said for it. Oh, yeah, I can hear you, man. I feel like that's a little I, bit of a story of my life. Well, I guarantee you. I guarantee you. Like, well, I'm not gonna. T- I'll tell you offline what my what my million dollar idea is, but. <laughs> 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 it would be a good idea to say it to all of your listeners, and then all of a sudden I see oh, some else making BYU money. entrepreneurs. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think that I, I think that I could do a great interview with you and and see that it's not a straight line to success. I could do a great interview with Aaron Roderick and see that it's not a straight with Kalani Sataki, with with Kyle Whittingham, with and you would and and it, and it would be a really really fun story to tell. I got you. That that's interesting. That's interesting how that plays out. And when you think about it, yeah, to, to have some form of being knocked down in order to be successful uh, is is it almost a requirement? You know, somebody. I'd almost say that it is. Yeah, that's for now. Now, not not for like to be good, but to be great. Like, no, I got you. One of I the greats. I want to talk about how this uh, transfer portal has. Basically, I don't know if revolutionize is the right phrase, but dramatically changed recruiting. We'll get to that next day. Well, it was 97.5, 1280 The Zone. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. The rules in any sport are not perfect, but I love it when teams go right to let's blame the rules and forget about the rest of the darn game. Remember that uh, what was a perceived pass interference call with the Saints game that yeah. they wouldn't right. shut up about for two years? Right. We get focused on, oh, the rules are bad. No, they're not. You're bad. Yeah, correct. Again, You're some, bad. Of the, some of the things can be fixed by just making the stop. For, for people today to be like, change the overtime yeah. rules, you're ignoring bad decisions. You're ignoring bad play. Look at them letting Kansas City score with 13 seconds left to go. Uh, them throwing it to Travis Kelsey. Of course they're going to throw it to Travis Kelsey. Correct. You're not guarding that guy? Yes. Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. Every day from 10 to noon on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com Hey, we got a giveaway, man. We are giving away a family four-pack of tickets to watch the Salt Lake City Stars take on the Rio Grande, Rio Grande Valley Vipers. That's February 1st. It's coming up next week at Bruin Arena, where obviously it's on the campus of Salt Lake Community College. So you need to be caller number 12. The lucky caller number 12 will win a family four-pack of tickets to watch the SLC Stars take on the Rio Grande Valley Vipers February 1st at Bruin Arena right there at SLCC. And that's still what? uh, Today's the 25th, so that's what? Next uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever that is? Uh, Yeah. And uh, at that point, the Jazz will have some of their guys back, so you'll see some of the Guys that you saw last night probably play in that game, and you get to be up close, have a good time. So be caller number 12, and we'll send you out there. Family four-pack to watch the stars. The future is coming for sure. The Jazz got a bunch of guys who played stars basketball, so that's legit. Uh, All right, DJ and PK. DJ is off today, and we've got... Riley Jensen sitting in, college football, high school football extraordinaire, also does 
a lot of work. How do you how do you describe yourself again? What's mental, your? mental performance coach. Mental performance coach. Yeah, I knew that's what it is. And you work with a lot of different people, a lot of different colleges. And I know you do some stuff with the Jazz too. Uh, so you're a busy man. We appreciate you coming in, and you're involved in so many things, man. You've got like a 15 jobs. I mean, it's just amazing. Well, that way, if I lose one, it's not <laughs> detrimental to the family. Well, you know, and, and two, two. I, I really love this, Riley. You know, I've known you for a long time, and I appreciate your friendship. Uh, I, 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 I love dudes who set themselves up. Okay, this is what I want to do. And you, you did it, I mean, it's not like you're an old-timer, but you did it a little later, and you went and you got all your certifications, you set it up, you set yourself a, a goal, and you achieved it, and nothing got in the way. And it's so cool to see guys who, and I'm, by guys, I mean general neutral, I'm not talking about, it could be man, woman, doesn't matter. And they set themselves, they've got a goal, they've got a vision, they work toward it, and then when they get there, they're succeeding. I don't care. When we see that in sports, we talk about the Kurt Warner underdog story, and that's great. But it applies in all aspects of life, whatever it might be. And sports is visible. But what you're doing, you set it up, and you had the vision to do it, and now you're doing it, and you're reaping the benefits of your hard work. And I really believe in that, man. No BS aside. Guys who... People who work for something and then they attain it and then they have success with it. I love that stuff. Absolutely love it. And to see you I have really success is awesome. It, it 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 took everything I had. Right. It was very scary. Right. But you, I think I think that's what this life is about, right? Like I I don't mean to get like wax poetic too much here, but like I eventually in this life, if we don't figure out that we gotta lean into some of those fears, then then it's going to be a long life, right? And oh yeah, yeah, I've been very fortunate. I I had thought about being in sports psychology for like fifteen years, and uh, my wife, I came home from work one day and she goes, "What in the hell are you doing?" I had no idea, <laughs> like what was going on. I had a good job. I was working for Stryker Medical, selling hospital beds and stretchers. Yeah, and. Uh, I'm like, what? I have no idea what you're talking about. She's like, you hate your job, yeah. and I'm like, no, I don't. I'm making good money. We got a three year old. We got we got a newborn. Like, what are, what are you talking about? She's like, I don't even know what you want to do. What is it that you want to do? And I go, you know what I want to do. And she goes, sports psychology. And I go, yeah. And she goes, what have you done about it? Like, at least put it on my table. And so I was very fortunate that my wife at least spurred that moment. Yeah. I, I knew that I had been thinking about it, but I didn't think it was an option to come home from work. And do so, it. Yeah. And, and actually do it. And so there there was some divine intervention. I don't want to say that I was like... Well, you need breaks along the way. There were some breaks, yeah. but it, it, you it took... You create your own breaks as far it, as I'm concerned. It took, some, it, it took some digging deep. So I really wanted to do sports radio. I tell the story when I was going to ASU, they started sports radio from 10 p.m. to midnight. And I had a job, and I and I worked five days, five nights a week, and I'd get off at ten o'clock, and I had a like a forty minute drive till I got back to the east side. I was working on the west side of the valley, and I had to go back to the east side in Tempe, and uh, so I would listen to it every night, Monday through Friday, and I thought, man, I really want to do it, and uh, you know, I subbed for years and years, about the old thirteen twenty, and then twelve eighty started, and I, I finally got the job. Right, and I and I call home, tell my father. I said, "Dad, man, I got this radio job. I start. I'm going to have my own show. I'm going to co-host it with a nerd. It'll be great." And uh, you know what he says to me? First thing he says to me, "You're not quitting that newspaper job, are you?" <laughs> <laughs> Literally, 
He pulled the grit young. He pulled Steve Young's dad. Okay, that's your dream. What's your plan? And he said, <laughs> it's a true story. He said, all I know, and he must have been, uh, let's see, uh, 60, 65 at the time. He said, all I know is every morning my whole life, that newspaper is on my curb. It's there. Every, and he, he read three newspapers a day when we lived in Jersey. And then he got the Arizona Republic when we moved to Phoenix. And he said that uh, it's been there. I don't know about this radio thing, but I know this newspaper thing is solid. And I had another guy tell me, hey, be careful on the radio. Uh, it works if it's your second job. You're, you have to have another job that's your wife, and the radio has to be your mistress. <laughs> because it's not going to last. Uh, I got to go for it, man. I got to do it. I got to do it. And then five years, so I did both for five years, and then five years later I quit the newspaper and did all this. And here we are 20 years later, knock on wood, it looks like I'm going to be able to ride it some more. So it worked. And, and I like to think that you know I was a success through work. I didn't have a dad who got me in it. I didn't have a brother. I had friends. I had Gordon Monson. Craig Boljack helped. He's coming up here at the top of the hour. Uh, Ian Furness helped. Uh, and these guys helped me along the way, and I'm grateful for them uh, to be able to do that. So anyway, that's something that I really appreciate. Before we get out of here, I talked about how much has recruiting been changed by the transfer portal? Because I'm wondering now, if you need, to, if you need quick fixes – you know, used to be junior college. Why bother going with the high school kids? Why not just pick off grad transfers? Well, I, I, not just grad transfers, but transfers. I think on the surface, I think that seems like pretty obvious, right? Like, why not just go to the portal? And I think there's no question that Division One coaches are going to the portal. Um, you can take the nefarious or the heinous version of like going to the portal, and that is like, yeah, get them to transfer in. Now they can't go anywhere because they only get one free trade, right? They only get one time where they get to where they get to transfer without any sort of penalty, right? So get them in, and then they're stuck. Well, unless you're a grad transfer, I think you can take advantage of that, even if you've used the grad undergrad. But, true, but if you're a grad transfer. You're only going to have like one year left anyway, right? So you're not as marketable. You might have two. You're not as marketable, right? I, I got it, right? So, so the idea is some of these coaches are using it that way. Other coaches are just super excited about this. Like, wow, I don't have to go to a junior college. I can go to a team that are he's already been getting Division One training. He's already been getting Division One like feed, if you will, and we're just going to bring him in and we can plug and play. But there is a little bit going on right now, and there is some version of, like, there's better high school players right now available than there's ever been. It seemed to make sense. And there's better junior college players available than there's ever been. Because a lot of those guys have get, been getting overlooked right, right. because of the Lost portal. The shuffle, yeah. And then all of a sudden, coaches are having to work really, really hard for these next two, three weeks to get this this really, really good crop of players. Because there's still really good high school players and really good junior college players out there. They've just been overlooked a little bit because everybody's going to the portal first. And in every sport that I've talked to, they're going to the portal first and then to the high schools. So would colleges then be reserving scholarships? Let's yes. keep 10 available, whatever it might yes. be? Yes. In fact, that's almost exactly what the number is. It's a third. So Division One schools are keeping a third of their scholarships available for the portal, and then they're offering like 15 kids out of high school. So that's significant to high school players. Everybody's going, well, I don't understand why this kid's not being recruited. I'm like, because it's a different game now. Yeah, yeah. It's a different game. 
Yeah, you might amazing. have to take a different route. Right. Right. The the change that we've seen in the last couple of years has really just absolutely it's, been amazing. And I don't even think the dust is settled. Like no. we're gonna we're we're gonna have to figure out what this really looks like going forward. Right. But right now it's the wild west because you're talking about free agency without contracts. There you go. Yeah. All right, Craig Bullerjack will hit some jazz coming up next. Stay with us, 975, 1280 the zone.